Welcome to the May 10th, 2019 edition of the Crypto.IQ Daily Radio Show, where we do a deep dive market analysis every day and discuss the most interesting stories in the Bitcoin and crypto space. This is your host, Space Marine, live from space. After the Binance hack Tuesday evening, when Bitcoin dropped to $5,700 on the bad news, Bitcoin has since then been consistently rising, and now Bitcoin is near $6,300. Last night, Bitcoin went as high as $6,330 on Bitstamp. This is the new high for 2019. Bitcoin has not been this high since November before that crash started. So now we're back up to the levels in November before that big crash started that took us to the bear market bottom of $3,100. And yes, we are $3,200 above the bear market bottom. So Bitcoin has gone up over 100% since the bear market lows in December. That's a big deal. Big recovery. And... A while ago, I thought the bottom was in at $3,100. It took about a month or two to confirm the bottom, maybe even three months. And now maybe we could start talking about, is the bear market ending? So I'm not confirming the bear market is ending yet. I think it's still going to take a little while to see if this trend holds, if we can get above the November levels. But if we start going up to like 7000 8000 10000 then we could probably say the bear market is over and this is a new bull run. It sure feels like a bull run. Looking at the longer term chart since... Early February, Bitcoin has gone up from like $3,400 to where it is now. So, yeah, it seems like we've been kind of on a bull run. Not every day, but on average, since early February, it's been bullish. Of course, there's been plenty of bear days in there. And that's still possible. Of course, there's going to be bear days in the future. That's how the crypto market works. But the general trend is upwards and sharply upwards recently. Starting at the beginning of April, it's been going sharply upwards. At this moment, there appears to be resistance around 63.50, but also the support is at 62.50. So we're in a tight trading range here, and 63.50, maybe $6,400 is the level to watch to see if we can continue this bull trend. And buying pressure seems to be greater than selling pressure still on the order book for the Bitstamp order book def chart. So people could probably remain optimistic that Bitcoin's still going to try to climb higher. Like earlier this morning on 8 a.m., Bitcoin did hit 62.50, but since then it climbed back up to 6,300 now. As for the rest of the crypto market, so we talked about yesterday how there was this trend of the Bitcoin dominance percentage increasing, and the Bitcoin dominance percentage is the total, well, it's the Bitcoin market cap divided by the total crypto market cap. So it kind of shows how much does Bitcoin comprise of the total crypto market cap. So this dominance percentage rose by something like 8% since the beginning of April, which indicates that altcoins, the other cryptocurrencies, declined on average 8% relative to Bitcoin. And this represents people selling off their altcoins to buy Bitcoin. And one of the Crypto.IQ traders uh, speculated that when basically Bitcoin cools off, then we're going to see the altcoins kind of snap back and rally themselves. That's the case that happened in... The 2017 rally so in the latter half of 2017 bitcoin rallied to those all-time highs of twenty thousand dollars and altcoins the dominance percentage for bitcoin went up a lot altcoins went down relative to bitcoin but then after that altcoins had their big rally that peaked in january so it's kind of like when bitcoin starts to get a little stale and a little lukewarm not as bullish uh, the altcoins can get really hot well we're seeing the altcoins snap back a bit this morning not completely but yesterday the altcoins were all in the red deeply it was actually bearish on the altcoin market so many people were dumping their altcoins to buy Bitcoin that despite Bitcoin hitting new 2019 highs yesterday as well, the altcoins were bearish. Well, today we're seeing several major cryptocurrencies in the green and the Bitcoin dominance percentage has gone down by about half a percent in the past 12 hours or so. So we're seeing the altcoin snap back a little bit, a little more health on the altcoin markets. So Ethereum is up 2.2%. It's near $173. Ripple's up 0.2% near 30 cents. Bitcoin Cash up 0.8%. 
Litecoin up 3%, near $76. And I consider Litecoin a good bellwether, a good indicator of how the altcoin market is doing. So Litecoin's up 3%. It's pretty decent. Not as much as Bitcoin, though. Bitcoin's up 4.5% in the past 24 hours. So relative to Bitcoin, the altcoins are still declining. But that being said, the dominance percentage for Bitcoin did drop half a percent. So on average, the altcoins have gained a little versus Bitcoin in the past like 12 hours or so. EOS is pretty much flat in the past 24 hours, 0% change. Binance coin is down 4.3% at $19.30. That being said, I saw it as low as like $18 and maybe 50 cents last night. So Binance coin snapping back a little bit too. Stellar up 2.1%. Cardano up 1%. Tron down 1.7%. Monero flat on the day, 0% change. Bitcoin SV up 2%. Dash up 0.1%. IOTA up 1.6% near 28 cents. That's a lot lower than it was a few days ago. It was like at 30 cents. Tezos is down 1.4%. Cosmos is down 5.2%, but even Cosmos was much lower earlier, and it's at $3.85 now, and that's, of course, a lot lower than it was several days ago. It was over $5, so Cosmos has kind of had a dump on their market. They pumped, and then they dumped, and then Dogecoin is down 1.2%, so it's a mixed day on the alternative cryptocurrency markets, but that being said, it's a lot better than it was yesterday. Like, literally yesterday, everything was down a lot. It was bearish, and that was really strange because Bitcoin was at all-time highs, but then, once again, the reason for this is people are, were dumping their altcoins to buy Bitcoin. That still may be the case this morning. There's probably people doing that, but there's also people buying some altcoins now, too, because since basically 11 p.m. last night, when Bitcoin first hit $6,300, Bitcoin has been oscillating right near $6,300, so Bitcoin kind of stopped profiting at 11 p.m. last night, and it's been steady, so that's about almost 12 hours now, and during that time, the altcoin started getting a little more active and gaining some. So now we're seeing the total crypto market cap at a new 2019 high of $192.6 billion, because Bitcoin's going up, and now the altcoins are not bearish, they're going up a little, but it's still mixed on the altcoin market. This is 92% above the bear market low of $100 billion seen in December. So the crypto market has recovered 92%, and that's a quite significant recovery. And like I said, when talking about Bitcoin, we could probably start talking soon if this continues about the end of the bear market. Moving on to the first story of the day. We talked about on a previous show how Bitfinex is doing a $1 billion initial exchange offering IEO, which is basically the same as an initial coin offering, ICO. And they're doing it for their LEO, LEO token. And they're raising this money, actually, because they had $850 million seized at crypto capital. And that's why they're being sued by the New York Attorney General's office, because basically they had the $850 million seized, and then they took a lot of money, hundreds of millions of dollars, out of Tether's reserves in order to cover the losses and to keep Bitfinex running without a panic. And that actually explains a lot of what happened last year. Remember that Tether crisis, latter half of 2018? It was around October, September 2018. Well, uh, Bitfinex and Tether said they lost their bank account at Noble Bank in Puerto Rico, and that's the reason they said that withdrawals were not really working. So people were trying to get their money out of Bitfinex, the fiat, and the wire transfers were like taking weeks or months, and some of them were not coming at all. And they said it's because they lost their bank account. Well, it seems like the truth is that they lost a ton of money, and they were scrambling to get the money back and then they decided on taking it out of tether's reserves and tether's supposed to be backed one-to-one -one by dollars in a bank but it's not anymore there's a lot of money missing because of what bitfinex did so i see the new york attorney general's office point in suing them because this is, seems kind of dishonest they should have disclosed this stuff at the very beginning and maybe they could have done their one billion dollar 
initial exchange offering back then to save Bitfinex. Well, now they're doing it now after the lawsuit came out, and it's a so the lawsuit's about eight hundred and fifty million dollars that that was seized, and they're raising a little extra, well, a lot extra, one billion dollars, which is one hundred and fifty million dollars more than they needed that was seized, and apparently investors have subscribed for the whole. IEO, so it's not even going public. So this was done in private among the shareholders of Bitfinex, basically, and they got their one billion dollars apparently. So eventually, this token will be public, though. That's how it works. Like it'll go live for trading, and the private investors will be the ones supplying it at first, and then everyone could have it if they want it. Uh, I don't think the New York Attorney General's office is going to be very happy about Bitfinex doing like a one billion dollar ICO right in the middle of a lawsuit with them. So we'll see how that plays out. It might cause the New York Attorney General's office to more quickly act against Bitfinex in order to issue their injunction. They still have not issued their injunction, but basically what happened, back to what happened with Crypto Capital, where they lost $850 million because it was seized. And by the way, a couple of people at Crypto Capital, the ones operating it, they were arrested. Well, one of them was arrested and one of them is a fugitive, so... It doesn't seem like that $850 million is coming back anytime soon. It's literally like a Department of Justice case now, and people are going to jail for it for money laundering. Back to the point, Bitfinex and Tether opened up a $900 million line of credit in order to plug the gap, and that's why it took some time for the withdrawals on Bitfinex to start working. So, yeah, they got that $900 million line of credit back when the crisis happened, and then everything started working fine, and apparently... At least as of a week ago, they already used $700 million of that credit. So they had credit for this, and now that they're pretty much going to pay off their credit card with this IEO because it's a $900 million line of credit with a 6% interest rate, and then this $1 billion initial exchange offering basically pays off their credit card, I guess. There's no guarantees exactly what they're going to do with the money. They could keep the credit line and also have the $1 billion. So I don't know exactly what's happening there. But regardless of my speculation and what the New York Attorney General's office is trying to do, uh, the price of Bitcoin on Bitfinex has now returned basically to normal. It's only about $100, $120 above Bitstamp right now, and that's pretty typical because the deposit and withdrawal fees are higher on Bitfinex. So that always causes the price of Bitcoin to be like a couple percent higher on Bitfinex. It's literally a couple percent higher right now. So yeah, things have returned to normal on Bitfinex because they got all this money suddenly from the initial exchange offering. So for now, that seems to have worked and things are calm at Bitfinex. But I'm gonna continue to watch this story closely. It's far from over. Moving on to the next story. Binance has issued an update regarding their hack. So they lost 7,000 Bitcoins a few days ago and that caused a brief crypto market drop that didn't last long and then the crypto market kind of rallied after that, which shows the bullishness of the market. But back to the story. So they lost 7,000 Bitcoins worth about $40 million worth a little more now. And they actually had funds to cover it through their SAFU fund. So they take 10% of their trading fees and put it into like this insurance fund. And it's a good thing they did that. Any other exchange that loses 7,000 Bitcoins, we'd be talking about a long-term shutdown. It might come back after a few months. And then literally the user's balances will be there. But like some of the balance will be missing. And then they replace it with a token that represents the balance they lost from the hack. That's usually the case on other cryptocurrency exchanges. I'm specifically thinking of like Cryptopia at this point when I say all that. Well, Binance actually kind of like planned ahead and they had these, this insurance fund. So no users are going to lose money, even though users are the ones that specifically got hacked. It was an advanced hacking operation where they got through the API and the 2FA and literally uh, drained like a lot of users accounts at once. So they targeted accounts and they didn't do it immediately. So they got an account. 
They didn't just like uh, drain that account. They waited till they had lots and lots of accounts, especially a lot of whale accounts, and then they took all the bitcoins out. The good news is Binance says they are going to reopen for deposits and withdrawals early next week. So maybe that's like Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday or something. There's no exact date yet. But this is coming along nicely. So they said it's going to take about a week to reopen. And now they're targeting maybe like earlier than a week after the hack, they're going to reopen. So they've never really been closed. Like trading is still working on Binance, except you can't deposit money or withdraw money. I'm sure this has negatively affected a lot of people. There might be people that had money in there that they needed and they were just trading it between one thing and then they had to pull it out. But anyways, everyone has had their money stuck in Binance for several days now. And that's going to continue till early next week. But the good news is it's progressing. Binance says they're going to like change their API into FA protocols and their withdrawal validation. So I don't know what exactly that means. And uh, they say they're also improving the risk management and their KYC procedures. So I don't know how this is going to affect the end user. And I'm monitoring this closely and I'll update on this. They also say they want to use the UB key, which is like a hardware device that... Like, it's kind of like 2FA, except it's a hardware device. So with Google Authenticator, it's like on your phone, and I guess that's hackable. If someone gets your Gmail account, they could have your Google Authenticator account. So that's not so safe. I think I've seen a YubiKey before, actually. It's like, it creates a random number every, like, 30 seconds. It's like Google Authenticator, but it's like a physical thing. So they're going to give out a 1,000 of those, Binance says. They're going to give out a 1,000 of them when they implement the YubiKey. And I'll update on this story when exact information is given out for the changes coming at Binance, as well as when Binance opens. And that's interesting for the Binance coin market. So Binance coin is one of the major cryptocurrencies. It's the Binance exchange token. And right now it's pretty low and maybe it'll rally once Binance reopens. So that's something to watch. Moving on to the next story. MakerDAO, which means Maker Decentralized Autonomous Organization, is one of the top Ethereum decentralized apps. And the reason they're so popular is because they offer collateralized loans. So if people want to get money for their cryptocurrency, in this case, Ethereum, they don't have to sell their Ethereum. They could just put it up for collateral and get money. And how it works is they put a collateralized position of Ethereum. So they take their Ethereum and then they get a stable coin called DAI, DAI. And that stable coin is supposed to be worth $1. So people could literally get the stable coin by uh, using their Ethereum as collateral. And then I guess they have to pay back the stable coin when they want to get their Ethereum back. So they don't really have to sell their Ethereum and then kind of keep it. And so if Ethereum goes up in value, they don't lose it sort of thing. And it started very attractive because the interest rate was half a percent. So there is an interest rate on the loan, basically. And the interest rate also though functions as a way to keep the DAI stable coin stable. So let's say you have lots of people taking out loans uh, with MakerDAO and lots of people putting in their Ethereum, getting lots of DAI lots of money basically uh that causes the price of dye to go down so that's actually what happened so so many people are getting loans with maker dow that the price of dye like collapsed below a dollar by a good amount i think it went down to maybe 90 cents or 95 cents at one point so that's a significant amount below a dollar and that hurts the whole market so then what they do is they raise the interest rate for the loan basically and the higher the interest rate the less people taking out loans the less die coming into circulation, and then die's price comes back to a dollar. So right now, die's price has come back to a dollar, but it's come at a great price. Uh, it's a 19.5% interest rate right now in order to take a loan with MakerDAO. So there's probably not going to be people taking loans to MakerDAO right now, not that many at least. But in the past, it was half a percent. So people took out a loan for half a percent. And then these interest rates apply like they're continuous. It's not like you could take out your loan for half a percent. And then it stays at half a percent. It changes every time they change the interest rate. Everyone that had a loan with MakerDAO 
actually has to pay a higher interest rate. So people that started with half a percent interest rate are now paying 19.5%. So literally, they got the money for their loan, and the crypto market has gone up, but the crypto market going up did not do anything good for them because they're paying 19.5% now, so they're literally watching their Ethereum disappear in the collateral position. And then if the Ethereum in the collateral position gets low enough, it gets liquidated, and there's a 13% flat fee for that. So it seems like a loan shark situation. People are complaining because they said they kind of got lowered into it. It was half a percent interest rate. And then now it's 19.5%. So the their Ethereum is literally be burned away and then it gets liquidated at some point. And then literally that's a 30% fee. And also keep in mind that when getting a loan for MakerDAO, you got to put like more Ethereum than you're actually getting. So you got to put like at least like a third more uh, Ethereum than the loan you're getting. So people are actually losing money on these loans. Like it would have been better if they would have just like cashed out their Ethereum for cash instead of getting this loan in order to try to keep their Ethereum because they put more Ethereum in their position than the loan was. And now that's getting burned away and yeah, they're losing money. So I guess this decentralized way of loaning money and having collateral in order to keep the crypto instead of just selling the crypto is not working out so well. Because basically, DAI was going way below a dollar because so many people were doing it. And now it seems like, I guess, the steady interest rate to keep it at a dollar is like 20%. And I don't expect that to go down. They could try to lower it, then probably DAI would go back below a dollar. So it seems like 20% is the equilibrium for this. And that's probably going to slow down the whole system here. And it's very unattractive for users at this interest rate level. Moving on to the next story. A Democrat congressman from California, Brad Sherman is asking Congress to ban cryptocurrencies. So this isn't China. This is the United States. And believe it or not, this is actually happening in Congress. It doesn't mean cryptocurrency is going to be banned. That probably will never happen. There's a big lobby for Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And also lots of politicians that recognize that cryptocurrency is legitimate and a good business sector for the United States. But here's exactly what Brad Sherman said verbatim. And it's really funny. One of these writers uh, that quoted the story from a YouTube video of the Congress se session, like he actually put all the us in there. So when I say uh, when I'm reading this uh, statement from Brad Sherman, that's actually verbatim. So I'm going to read this exactly as he said it. I look for colleagues to join with, with me in introducing a bill to uh, outlaw cryptocurrency uh, uh, owner uh, purchases by Americans so that we nip this in the bud in part because not uh, an awful... A lot of our international power comes from the fact that the dollar is the standard unit of international uh, finance and transactions clearing through the New York Fed is critical for major oil and other transactions and it is the announced purpose of the supporters of cryptocurrency to take that power away from us to put us in a position where the most significant sanctions we have on Iran, for example, will become uh, irrelevant. So whether it is to disempower our foreign policy, our tax collection uh, enforcement to our law traditional law enforcement the purpose of cryptocurrency the advantage it has over a uh, uh, sovereign currency is solely uh to aid in the disempowerment of uh of uh the united states and the rule of law so i don't think that was a very good speech because of all the us and i don't think it's going to get anywhere in congress also because it's really illegitimate but here's the interesting thing there is a lot of people in power in the government that think this exact thought and it's very rare to see someone actually say it so we've been seeing lots of regulations on cryptocurrency, like all that know your customer and anti-money laundering stuff. And at this point, we accept it. We're like, okay, yeah, it's good not to launder cryptocurrency for drugs, and it's good the exchanges are doing something to prevent that. Well, now we see the real reason they put all that KYC and AML and shut down all the Bitcoin dealers and are like really getting all the info out of exchanges. So like if someone's going to have KYC and AML with the United States, 
they kind of had to give over all the information about their users and all of their transactions to like the United States. And they say that's for KYC and AML in order to protect us from like terrorists and drugs and whatever. Well, this is probably the real reason here. The American government thinks Bitcoin is a threat because it takes away power from the US dollar. Well, that might be true because Bitcoin is decentralized peer-to-peer currency. And it's like the only form of currency we've had ever in our lifetimes or in our parents' or grandparents' lifetimes that actually you own yourself. And so you have the power over that currency to do whatever you want with it. And also, the United States makes a lot of their money and has a lot of their power because they print the U.S. dollar and they control the U.S. dollar. And the U.S. dollar is the strongest fiat currency in the world, and it kind of controls the world economic system. And if Bitcoin gets big enough, literally, like that would take the power away from the United States. So... We finally have a politician actually standing on the congressional floor, Brad Sherman, a Democrat from California, saying, hey, let's ban cryptocurrency because it's going to take away our power. So that's not going to go through. I'm not worried that's going to actually pass or even become an actual debate in Congress, but it's really interesting to see that happen. And the timing is really interesting as well because the stock market is finally doing kind of bad. So that can, the economy looked really weak for a while already, like for the past weeks and months. And even since January 2018, the stock market's been going sideways and volatile. But the stock market hasn't really gone down a lot. It went down a, a lot around Christmas, but then they pumped a bunch of money in. They pumped another trillion dollars in or whatever they do, billions of dollars. And the stock market went back up. But now pumping money into the stock market and also people tweeting stuff that's like favorable for the stock market. Like President Trump, he tweets stuff like almost every day. I don't want to get too political, but this is a politics story basically. But yeah, it seems like the government's focused on keeping the stock market up because a lot of the money of the entire country and world is tied up in the stock market. So that has caused the stock market to get inflated beyond what it should be. And now we're finally seeing, despite all the stuff they're doing to manipulate the price upwards, the stock market's going down anyways. For example, on April 23rd, the stock market was back near its long-term resistance level, 26,700 points. That's the Dow Jones Industrial Average. So in January 2018, like a year and a half ago, that's where the stock market was. That's like the long-term resistance level. So it was back near its all-time highs, and everyone's like super bullish back then. But that didn't hold up because of this China trade war stuff. And then basically the stock market's gone down 1,000 points since then. So right now the stock market's down 170 points this morning, the Dow Jones to be specific. And right now we're 1,000 points below where it was on April 23rd, about two, three weeks ago. So... The stock market's going down, and then we immediately see a congressman saying, we got to get rid of Bitcoin, because the truth is, investors around the world are savvy, and they are seeing that, hey, Bitcoin is making money right now. Bitcoin's gone up like 100% since December, and the stock market's doing nothing for me. I'm making nothing on the stock market, despite all the politicians and the government saying the economy's better than ever. Despite trade going down, and manufacturing weakening, and more homelessness than ever, we have the country literally releasing statements saying the GDP is going up. The economy stronger than ever. There's more jobs than ever. Well, if you're actually a person on the ground here in the United States, you know that it's hard to find a job. And I don't know how they make their numbers here. But anyways, yeah, now the stock market's starting to respond to the reality of a weaker global economy, and it's down a 1,000 points in two to three weeks or so. And it's looking weak. So now we have a congressman saying, let's ban Bitcoin, because literally Bitcoin's going to rally probably to all-time highs if the stock market crashes and the bond yield curve inverted twice. It actually inverted yesterday again. That's a really bad sign and inverted twice now. And that means the 10 year yield is lower than the three month yield for the treasury bonds. And that means people are rushing into treasury bonds for the long term because they think the stocks are going to crash. That's why it's such a good recession indicator. So it seems like a stock recession is incoming. 
and Bitcoin's going to really, really do good, and the U.S. dollar is going to do really bad. So basically, Congress is trying to manipulate the whole game. Not Congress. This one congressman had this idea, but let's be real. A lot of people in the government think this idea. But that being said, there's no way they could pass it. It's just totally illegal to ban Bitcoin. And Bitcoin's such a big thing in the United States, and it just won't happen. This isn't China. It worked in China. China got rid of Bitcoin because they thought it threatened the Chinese yuan. Even in China, though, they can't really get rid of it. It's still hanging on on the fringes of China, like in Hong Kong. Like, that's where, like, I think Binance is and Bitmain. So, like, we China banned Bitcoin, but then it's still hung on to them. And there's no way they can even ban it in the United States. But it's good to finally see the real thoughts that we already knew that, hey, they think Bitcoin's a threat to their power. Well, they shouldn't be taking power unfairly from the people of the world. So all their powers collectively from controlling the currency that's in everyone's pockets, they shouldn't have that power over people anyways. So this is like freedom. Bitcoin is freedom. And that's why I believe in Bitcoin. Bitcoin gives the power back to us. Of course, some of the government might not want to give the power back to the people, even though that's why the United States was created in the first place. So that's what's going on here. Bitcoin's not under threat. But now that we're seeing the stock market go down and probably a Bitcoin rally that we're seeing already, it's probably going to build if the stock market crashes. Yeah, so we're probably going to start seeing some politicians go crazy because their stock portfolio is crashing and they don't like Bitcoin. So that's all I have for you today on this May 10th, 2019 edition of the Crypto.IQ Daily Radio Show. Come back tomorrow for another exciting episode and go to Crypto.IQ 24-7 for the most interesting topics in the crypto and Bitcoin space. And also, join the Crypto.IQ trading desk. They have made 314% profit since July. In fact, right now they're making mad money on longs on Bitcoin. And if you join the Crypto.IQ trading desk, you can see their full trade analysis. And just by reading that, you can become an expert cryptocurrency trader. And also, you can ask the Crypto.IQ traders questions in real time, and they'll answer your questions pretty quickly. So joining the Crypto.IQ trading desk is the best way to become an expert and profitable cryptocurrency trader. This is your host, Space Marine, signing out. I remain in space.